Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. Just before we go to Kurt Hill, the GM of the Edmonton Oil Kings, a text from Glenn who says, Bob, on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, next excuse, we can't win because we've been playing good teams with better records. Unbelievable what you can come up with as an excuse. My point, Glenn, is that the Oilers have played five of their nine games against teams that currently have a record of 12-2-2 in the North Division, which means they played the better teams. Now, in relation to your text, my response would be if Edmonton goes four for four against Ottawa and they're going to need to win the games against Ottawa this year, that would be, uh, you know, they should have some expected positive results against that team. And I'm not going to overblow it if they score 20 goals in four games against the Ottawa Senators and say now their offense is back. But in fairness, they have played some of the better teams, Glenn. But keep texting, and I do. We catalog our texts when you text the show, and Glenn has a history of, uh, in his mind, uh, trying to keep us honest. So we appreciate him taking the time to text us on Oilers Now. Without further ado, we switch focus. It is currently... 134 in Edmonton. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton-owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stop for recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. The WHL announced yesterday that Alberta-based teams will be back in action, I believe, in a 24-game schedule. We talked to Edmonton Oil Kings uh, President General Manager Kurt Hi, Kurt. Long time no talk. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? I guess, uh, well, uh, I'd be doing better if the order's record was 6-3 and three and not 3-6. and six. That comes with the territory. Uh, fans have passion, and that's a great thing. It's, it's better than the alternative, which, which is apathy. Uh, so, uh, let's get to it. the news regarding uh, the Western Hockey League. What does this mean for you guys? What are we looking at in terms of a potential start date? Who would your opponents be? It sounds like it's an Alberta-only schedule. Yeah, no, we're only going to be playing in Alberta through for the for the season here. So uh, it's going to be 24 games. We'll play each of the Alberta-based teams six times, and uh, we're looking to kick things off here February 26 with a home and home with Red Deer. Um, so yeah, from that point to February 26, our guys are our staff, our players are all starting on the 28-day return to play protocols that's been outlined by Alberta Health and the Western Hockey League. And uh, 28 days starts tomorrow morning. Uh, do each of the kids get tested on a daily day, a daily basis, three times a week? How does that work? Yeah, there's there's some uh, stricter testing protocols to, to get going here. Obviously, when guys are doing the isolation and we're bringing everybody back into our markets that are traveling in and everything, there's some stricter protocols. And then once we get going, uh, there'll be weekly testing that the players will, will take part in through Dial Life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what happens if someone, I mean, unfortunately, I hate, I'd rather talk to you about the guys that you've got back, but what happens if there's a positive test? Well, if there's, we're going to have cohorts and uh, 30 people, and uh, the main people in our E level cohorts, I guess the players in the dressing room, the coaching staff and that, um, those 30 people, if we do get a positive test there, we're going to be, we're going to be shut down for two weeks. So it's going to probably be, uh, you know, anywhere from a 17 to 21 day to get back up and running and start playing games again. 
Wow. Uh, I mean, I feel horrible for you because you had a good enough team last year to have won the WHL. You had a terrific record at the time of the pause, and many people had you uh, picked as a favorite this year. You have made a couple of trades uh, earlier in the week. Can you maybe comment on the uh, series of moves that you made? Yeah, the move with McLeod, uh, why McLeod sending him to Saskatoon, uh, it's a situation where in junior hockey you're only allowed to have three 20-year-olds on your roster, and we had four, so uh, something had to give at some point. Um, we were kind of holding on to the, the fourth 20-year-old in, in case there were some changes made to maybe some re- league regulations on that this year with uh, it being a pandemic year, but uh, the teams are sticking with three 20-year-olds as a maximum, so we made that move to get him a spot to play in Saskatoon, and the other move that we made with uh, Seattle flipping our European players. Um, Alistrov has been an exceptional player for us here, but he wasn't somebody that was probably going to be in the mix next season to play for us as a potential 20-year-old in European. Where uh, we're moving some, we're le- losing some big pieces on our back next year with uh, Robertson, Cap, obviously aging out. So uh, we needed a veteran presence back there, and we felt that uh, Simon Kubitschek is. Uh, a guy that has a lot of experience in our league running a power play and with international experience as well and a guy that uh, if we can get him to come next year as a, a person we would probably use a two spot on uh, with a European and a 20 year old to help out our back end. So he's not going to play for you this year? He's going to stay over in Europe? Oh, that's still being sorted out. I mean, right now the, the import players in the Western League are not permitted to come based on okay. federal regulations. So there you go. The deadline for them is March 1st. So I'm going to say it's probably unlikely at this point. But uh, if something changes in the next week, we'll try to get them in. Okay. Uh, you got a great goaltender who's draft eligible this year. And a guy in Dylan Gunther, I think Bob McKenzie from TSN, uh, had him ranked third in terms of all players. Dylan Gunther up front and Sebastian Cosa was probably no worse than a, a second rounder for this upcoming draft as well. It's a huge year for these guys. You got to feel bad for these kids a bit, don't you? That they're not, they haven't had a chance to play so far. Well, you do. You feel bad for them, but I think right now they're obviously a lot of emotion for our players right now getting this opportunity to to come back. There's still a lot of work that goes into us getting everybody back, staying healthy and and playing games, but uh, for players that it's their draft year, it's extremely important. And I think it's one year where you could potentially see the central scouting list probably change a lot because there's players that... I mean, we haven't seen play for a long time. That might be there might be a lot of movement in those rankings. But I think with uh, Dylan and Sebastian, they're going to come and be a big part of the group here. And they're obviously a prospects now for a reason. Uh, we're joined right now by Kurt Hill, the president, and general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. You talked about twenties, uh, so you're going to keep Ethan Cap on defense. You picked up Cade Oliver to, I would assume, to center one of your top uh, couple lines. And, and Atkinson's your captain, right? That's right. Yeah. So you got some pretty good twenty rolls, and that's always, uh, I think. And, and you've lost. Do you still have the the Kelowna number one as well as your own number one for twenty twenty one? Yes, we do. Yeah, that's right, Bob. Now, do you? Let me ask you, that, Kurt. Do you expect the other? Do you expect BC, Saskatchewan, uh, Manitoba, uh, Oregon, and uh, Washington to potentially RTP as well here for the Western Hockey League? You know, I think at some point uh, they're doing a lot of good work in those those respective jurisdictions, and I think there's a lot of a lot of positive work going on. So I I do feel obviously they're not going to be on the same timelines as us, but I I think uh, you know the way things are trending for them, I think there's uh, some 
positive news potentially coming in the future. But uh, obviously that's ever-changing, as we know, with uh, COVID. All right. Well, we're going to have to stay on the story, Kurt. Thank you very much for giving us some time. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck here in trying to pull us off and uh, get some kids back on the ice. Appreciate that, Bob. Have a good one. You bet. 141 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. AJ Jakovic coming up in about three minutes' time. Uh, we will, well, actually, here we go. We're gonna, I'm just gonna read a text before, uh, uh, we, uh, go to break here. I fully expect, says this text here, for the Oilers to continue to lose to, uh, to all teams, even the Sens, until they, uh, use proper lines. I know Holland is screwing over Nuge. All for maybe a million. Yeah, pay, pay Chase on double what he's worth, but uh, uh, not Nuge. Core player, just put Nuge and Yamamoto already and pay the man. Uh, I said the same thing about paying Drysaddle. Pay your core um, and go easier on the bottom six. I can't, for the texter, I can't use the word that you're using to describe what needs to be done and not paying people as much money in the bottom six. You have to use a different word. Uh, might make more logical sense. I, I, I can tell you right now, I, I I don't see how playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins is detrimental to helping his cause to get more money or Ryan Nugent Hopkins to play with Connor McDavid would be perceived as being detrimental to his cause in a contract negotiation. Like, if you want to say the Oilers had a better winning percentage with Nugent Hopkins with Settle and Yamamoto, and they should have that line together, that's fair all day. But if you're implying that they're trying to do that to keep Nugent Hopkins' point totals down, and that's why they're playing with McDavid, is that what you're suggesting? Maybe I'm misreading the text. I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um uh, this text comes in. Fletch from Calgary says, Bob, being an Oilers fan in Calgary is tough at the best of times, but these days it's a little less onerous with the Flames worse than our Oilers. Go Oilers. I don't know how bad Calgary is. Like, they just lost two one-goal games to Toronto, and they got outplayed last night by Montreal. It wasn't a close game. They got two late ones. Still think Calgary's got a real good, pretty decent team. Uh, one final text before we go to break, and then we'll bring in AJ. Uh, here we go. Haji says, Bob, reuniting RNH with Drysettle and Yamamoto is not the magic formula fans envision it to be. People are forgetting that when RNH was added to that line last year, it was in January. RNH starts slow every year, and this year is no different. Kahuna is doing everything but score in the second line. Lines one and two are not the problem this year. It doesn't matter how much the players pay lip service to Koskinen. They don't have confidence in him, and the result is whenever the opposition achieves zone time, five other players collapse way too early. Each player gets caught puck watching, trying to stop the puck instead of focusing on their man and immobilizing the threat uh, each player is responsible for. Uh, since this has been an issue all year, I can only surmise the coaches have determined that this is the best way to play with Miko in the net from Haji. Okay. Well, I, I think that Koskinen probably would be better if he had maybe not started all nine games. That might be a factor in it as well. Back with AJ Jakovic when we return on Oilers now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Six goals, eight points. He's on a five-game heater for the Oilers. Leon Dreisaitl, reigning Hart Trophy winner. Very quickly, just before we go to A.J. Jakobic, Epstein's mother says, Bob, I watched you last night on the Sportsnet broadcast. I was stunned that uh, you second-guessed a Maple Leaf penalty to Kerfoot. 
Really? Epstein's mother? Really? Did you see the call? Like that. And the other thing is, you knew if that call gets made, there was Mary Kay's going to be in the house. There's going to be a makeup call coming up later on. And there were a couple of those in the third. Oilers, frankly, got. Uh, last night was one of those nights where you'd say, I'm going to get some beneficial calls. More beneficial calls than maybe the Leafs. All right. Without further ado, we have exactly seven minutes. Let's make a count. AJ Jackmick out of Ottawa, uh, longtime uh, Ottawa based sportscaster, of course, from Edmonton. AJ, how you doing? Doing well, Bob. Looking forward to uh, Sunday for sure. A couple of uh, angry fan bases, I think, get desperate for some wins. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Do you think that uh, Montreal and Toronto are on a different level than the other Canadian teams? Yeah, you know what? I am. At first, I was kind of unsold on Winnipeg, but you know, having seen Winnipeg, uh, you know, three times in a row, they weren't very good the first game against Ottawa. Uh, obviously, the defense isn't what uh, some of the other uh, blue lines are in, in this division, but I, I think they have the best forwards, top to bottom, especially when you add Dubois into that mix. So, sure. with the with the way Ehlers is playing and the way Connor's playing, and 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 you still have uh, Blake Wheeler, and, and you've got guys like Cop and Lowry. Now you put uh, Shifley and and Dubois, Dubois one two up the middle, and you've got the Vezina Trophy winner in goal. So, I think Winnipeg should be in the mix as well. All right, so those are the top three teams. The Oilers have played played seven of their nine games so far against those squads. Obviously, they've got wins against Toronto and Winnipeg. What the heck is going on? Like, AJ, I watch Ottawa. Why are they not playing? Like, where's Brandstrom? Where's Formaton? Uh, where, where's Logan? Like, is the fan base there not sold on rebuilding? Oh, they're not sold on what's going on right now. <laughs> that, like, here's the thing: the, the fan base going into this season was excited. I mean, they watch the World Juniors. They see Tim Stutzla look uh, outstanding for Germany. They see uh, Jake Sanderson looking fantastic uh, for for Team USA. And, and and you know, you've got guys like Kachuk and Shabbat and some other uh, cornerstone pieces. And you thought, okay, well, uh, you know, even though Sanderson, you knew he's going to be at North Dakota. Uh, for the year and and you know they're hoping that they're going to see some young guys this year and for the most part they've dressed a veteran lineup i think this is the 10th youngest team in the nhl which is fine if you brought in some good veterans but the reality is they brought in 10 veterans in the off season, guys who are 26 plus and pretty much the same type of guys you know character guys physical guys good in the room type guys, but they haven't been good on the ice. All, all 10 of them, even Dadnov, who you, you thought, you know, would be a, a guy that can prove a little bit of offense. Uh, I mean, obviously he benefited from playing with Huberto and Barkov because he's been real quiet so far. Now it's early. You don't want to judge too much on, you know, eight games, but the reality is there are a lot of questioning uh, of just how many of these guys they brought in. I, I get you want to surround your young guys with veteran guys that know what it takes, that know what it's like to be be a pro and teach these young guys but at the same time i mean guys like alex formanton eric brandstrom and logan brown they're not even on the taxi squad and if, if you're talking about a regular year and they're playing ahl games so be it but they're not even playing they're just hanging out at the brook street looking out uh, out, outside and, and practicing every once in a while with oh, man. So wow. it's just it's not a good situation all right uh Often it starts in goal. Matt Murray's numbers, 1-4-1, and one, a goals against average of 439, 4.39, four, uh, and a save percentage of 859. Hoberg's at 867. Now, they signed Murray long-term. Is there a concern there already in Ottawa? 
I, I think so, especially, I mean, I heard George Larac on on, uh, on your show when I was in Edmonton doing shows for, for a couple of months, and, and, you know, he was talking about how excited he was about the Ottawa Senators, except for what he saw in, in goal. I mean, he, he had a couple of inconsistent, not great seasons in Pittsburgh, so I didn't mind the trade. But it was the extension, right? Four years, 6.25 per. Where, okay, like for a guy that, that hasn't been great the last couple of years, that was a, a little bit generous. And, and so, yeah, they, they need a save, right? That, that's the thing. I mean, they're not very good in, in front of them, but it, that's magnified when he can't get a save. And, you know, that's certainly problematic, uh, you know, whether they put Murray in, whether they put Hogberg in. I mean, you know, they, they've got a guy in Joey Decord that, you know, he went to Arizona State. Uh, he, he had a great career there and looked pretty good last year in Belleville so I mean do do you bring him in he's on the taxi squad right now do you give him a start if these two guys can't get it done because when you've got a fragile team I've seen I've seen a lot of bad teams especially covering junior hockey Uh, when when you've got a fragile team and you can't get a save uh, that that makes for a long long year for the players AJ you spent time here in Edmonton you're from here which fan base takes it harder Ottawa or Edmonton That's a great question. I I often say, like, similar cities, like the passion for hockey in both markets is pretty much the same. The the difference is you've got more Habs and Leafs fans here just because of the fact, you know, they're two of the oldest franchises in the NHL and Ottawa's smack dab in the middle, right? And then you've got Gatineau right across the border. I mean, you know, 30% of the metropolitan area in in Ottawa, Gatineau is across the border in in Quebec. So there's a large fan base uh, of of Canadians fans here. But the, the passion for hockey is equal. It's probably a little more Oilers-centric in Edmonton. But, you know, I think that also adds, you know, the fact that you've got people that in, in normal times go to work with Habs fans and Leafs fans, right? And all of a sudden, here they are kind of rubbing their noses in it. The fact that they're 1-2 in the division uh, sends fans not feeling pretty good. Look, they knew this team was going to be last right now. They're okay with that. They just want the young guys to play. And, you know, there have been nights where Ottawa's dressed lineups with, you know, four guys that are 24 and under. Chicago in, in 07, 08, they were dressing regularly 11, 12, 13 guys, 24 and under. They won 40 games that year, didn't make the playoffs. The next year, Joel Quenville came in, replaced Denny Savard, uh, lost to Detroit in the playoffs, and the rest is history. So, I, like, I understand the, the fact that you want to surround some of these young guys with veterans, but uh, again, you don't want to have them blocked. And yep. to me, uh, you know, there's there's too many guys here from Philip Schloppick to, you know, even Colin White, a healthy scratch for the first six games, to Logan Brown, to Alex Formanton, to Eric Brandstrom, that should be getting an opportunity ahead of, and again, it's unfair to, in, you know, single guys out individually, but there's just too many Josh Browns and too many Paquettes and Coburns and, and Austin Watsons and so on and so forth. AJ, we don't have a lot of time. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll touch base down the road. Always a pleasure, Bob. Cheers. Cheers. That is AJ Jackmick from the Team 1200, uh, TSN 1200 in Ottawa. All right, uh, let's get to this day in Oilers history. It's brought to you daily by Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. Here's Brendan Escott. 
Uh, yeah, back in 2006, Chris Pronger nets the game-tying goal with 0.3 seconds left, sending the game against the Wayne Gretzky-coached Phoenix Coyotes into overtime, ultimately a shootout in Glendale, where Edmonton would prevail with a 4-3 win. The goaltending matchup in this one, how about Mike Morrison for Edmonton against Curtis Joseph of the Coyotes? Well, that year, Morrison was pretty good in the shootouts. In fact, sometimes... Uh, there was at least once where he didn't get the start and he came in for the shootout. That's how good he was in the shootout. Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight. Brendan Escott, what's he got shaking? You will hear from Edmonton Oil Kings head coach Brad Lauer and former Edmonton football team and CFL head coach Tom Higgins. Jamie Elizondo. Uh, yes, uh, let's see. Tom- tomorrow, uh, we'll have a pregame show, face-off show at 3.30, puck drop at 5. We'll have broadcast for you on Sunday as well. Monday, it's going to be fun. <laughs> we'll see where we're at. Hey, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thank you for everybody who took the time to text us on Oilers Now. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Kevin Robertson, followed by the 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jay Lynn. Nice. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.